Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we speak to the experts and break down the technology and the data that is allowing us to measure, optimize, and understand our health in ways that have never been possible before. This show is for the health hackers, the data nerds, the athletes, the execs, the high performers, and anyone looking to take their health and their game to the next level. Be sure to check out our website and our health analytics app at headsuphealth.com and feel free to shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com with any comments, questions, or feedback on this show or our app. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and let's get into our next episode. Hi everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky with Data Driven Health Radio. And my guests today are Brandy and Brad from 3Health. And we're going to do something a little different on this show. I have a new co-host who is joining me. Hopefully, he's going to take my interview game up a little bit based on all of his expertise. So, TJ, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself as my new co-host on the show? Well, Dave, it's an honor and, and pleasure and privilege to be here on Data Driven Health Radio. I, I first interviewed you on my podcast, I think last year when I first heard of your heard of Heads Up and, and I'm excited to, to jam. Yeah. So I'm the head of pro uh, development here working with our coaches and doctors that want to roll out our uh, data analytics platform in their practice. So I'm excited to, to connect again with Brandy and Brad today from 3Health. Yeah. And, and we're extremely excited to share the, the programs and how 3Health is approaching weight loss because it's unlike every, anything I've come across. This is, if you asked me to describe how would I do it in the perfect world, if I could wave my magic wand, I would have basically described your program. So <laughs> we're super excited to get into it here. Maybe Brandy, you can start us off and, and then Brad, you can take over and just Tell us a little bit about your background before this company and then how 3Health got started. And then we'll get into the, the program you guys have put together and, it, and it's fascinating. So I'll, I'll let you guys take it away. Sure. Well, thanks, Dave and TJ, for giving us the chance to be on Data Driven Health. It's um, always fun to get the message out there. So yeah. appreciate it. So let's see, 3Health started with actually... I've been thinking about doing a program like this for a very long time, pretty much ever since I worked in a weight management clinic starting 13 years ago. You know, you kind of think I can do things a little bit different, a little bit better. Yeah. So through the years, I've done weight management in a bunch of different settings. I was never really placed in charge of how to go about setting up the program or it was kind of plug and play, I guess. So I've been developing this idea for a long time. And around six years ago or seven years ago, I was working in a weight management clinic and I realized that, you know, I had all these patients and they were losing weight and reversing their diabetes and feeling great and all was good, except, you know, they would be in tears in my office because they couldn't eat the cupcake at the birthday party. And that's when it really dawned on me that I'm really good at the one half of this, which is helping people change their relationship with food in terms of their metabolism 
and getting them to lose weight in a healthy way, you know, not destroying muscle and not being crazy and really taking a, a healthy approach to weight loss, which is often a lot slower than people like. Mm-hmm. But even if I did have the skill, which I didn't, I didn't have the time to dig into why people were so emotional about the loss of food as a coping mechanism in their life. And that's when I started asking the uh, owners and administrators of the places that I work to please bring in somebody who could help the, the emotional behavioral aspect for these people. If I did have the skill, I didn't have the time. I was good at identifying the issues, but not really able to help people get to the bottom of it. So I realized that, you know, I felt my role was important, but almost futile because if you couldn't really get it to stick and people were just doing a diet, then I was kind of discouraged that I wanted to keep doing that with people. So I sought a practice where they had more of a holistic approach, uh, behavioral and exercise and uh, nutrition philosophy and things like that. And I, I ended up joining that practice. And I was hired as to work in the medical weight loss, even though it was a surgical weight loss practice, basically. But there's a lot of people who can't have surgery, don't want to have surgery or don't qualify for surgery. So I had a lot of patients but it was still kind of not ideal. I couldn't get the program to be exactly the way I wanted it to be. So after about four years of working there and getting to know Brad, who was hired me to develop the medical weight loss program, we kind of decided to strike out on our own and develop the program the way that we wanted it to be. And um, that's what we ended up doing. And I'm super proud of what we've developed been amazing. It's been hard. And along the way, we realized that telemedicine was going to be a very important aspect of our practice. And that just led to more and more need and desire for technologies and remote monitoring so that people didn't have to physically always come into the office and we know what was going on with their weight and their health. So You know, we kind of went down this path one step at a time where it was telemedicine, and then we needed to be able to accurately measure people's weight. You know, I can't have six different platforms for seven or six different devices that I want people to use. So we were talking to the Aura Ring people, and they said, Hey, had you heard of Heads Up Health? And uh, that's how we got hooked up with you guys. And it was, it was awesome. It's been great. Well, I, I love the technology and how you guys are applying it. And we're, we're going to get into things like why does sleep matter for weight loss and why does heart rate variability matter? So we're super excited to nerd out on that. Yeah. Brad, you want to give us a quick hello? We understand you had an yeah. interesting career change later in life that brought you into the medical field, which is interesting. So we'd love to hear about yeah. that. I'd love to, David. Thank you. So my path to where Brandy and I are today at Three Health is a little bit different. And uh, as I was sharing with you earlier, about 2006, I retired. I was a uh, founding partner and a principal in a large architectural firm in Seattle. And I, I felt a, a need and a call to do something radically different. So I got my daughter off to college and decided to go 
into medicine and specifically into psychotherapy. So I informed my architectural partners that I that I was going to quit, and all my <laughs> my friends and family thought I was crazy, and I went back to graduate school for six years. And I was doing an internship at Overlake Hospital in Bellevue, and two bariatric surgeons that I knew approached me and asked me in 2011, as I was finishing my my internship, if I would build a pre- and post-operative therapy program around their bariatric surgery program. And maybe it was my age or my business experience. I, I told them that I would if they made me a partner. So they, I don't know if they reluctantly agreed, but they made me a partner in the practice. And so I started with an exercise physiologist, another psychotherapist, Marlene Sexton, who's now a partner with Brandy and I, and one dietitian. And within uh, 18 months, I had 27 providers and 20,000 patient visits in that program. And it just it just really took off. And there was a need pre and post-operatively for people that were getting bariatric surgery to have the behavioral, have a lot of counseling, especially post-operatively. Surgery was a, an effective tool for a certain group of people, but even more so, they, they needed a couple of years of behavioral support. And then I met Brandy and hired Brandy to build a medical program. And that's really when kind of all hell broke loose because Brandy came in and I had eight dietitians working for me at the time and frankly, eight different viewpoints as to what nutrition should look like. And Brandy had a strong, strong following and she was extremely successful with our patients. And to make a really long story short, in 2018, Marlene and Brandy and I said, let's, let's get out of this surgery practice and, and go build our own medical and behavioral weight loss practice. And uh, it's been a lot of work. I've done a number of startups and we feel like we've really built something very dynamic and extremely effective. Our, our patients are successful and they really love what we're doing. So quickly, I, I just gave you, I don't know, I gave you 14 years kind of of our story. Well, I first heard about you guys from some of our partners. They kept saying, hey, these guys are doing something really cool over here. It was this beacon. I kept hearing three health. And then you guys got connected to TJ, and now, now we're working together. So maybe we could transition into just an overview of the program, Brandy. And, and if you could tell us how you're doing things and the combination of the behavioral modification the therapy aspect of it as well, the, the behavioral modification and the, the psychological piece. And also, uh, if you could talk a little bit about the technology you're using for the remote monitoring, and I'll probably chime in with questions with each of the technology pieces that you're using because the connections to weight loss are not obvious for a lot of people, especially sure. um, the way you guys are doing things. So tell us about the program at 3Health as it exists today. Okay. So people come in, they usually do a free consultation, which is just either virtual or in person. And we talk about the program and we introduce the idea of the behavioral along with the medical and that that there's no separating the two because you get people sometimes saying, well, I want to see Brandy and maybe I want, you know, these devices and to do a nutrition plan, but I don't really think I need that mental stuff. And 
And like, we're like, yep, everybody has to do it, whether you think you need it or not. And they all need it. <laughs> we're all in denial. Yeah. Well, or, and I think more often, Brandy, they'll look, they'll point across the room at me and they'll say, you're the guy I really need. That's true too. I mean, they have an idea of, they know what they need and isn't that how it goes, right? Everybody knows how to lose weight. It's eat less, exercise more, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and gut it out and just do it. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't worked so well for most people. So um, we try to explain that this is about changing your relationship with food and it takes time and frequent visits and um, you have to work on the head and the body at the same time. And we developed a big curriculum that helps us kind of streamline. But the first three months, we really just focus on three things, which is time, planning, and tracking. Because if people think they're just going to come in and pay us money and lose weight, but not put the time in, and not be able to help us understand what they're doing, and they have to put some planning into that, it's just not going to work. And so we spend the first three months, we see people very frequently, every two weeks at least, and we get them all set up on the tracking devices and get them used to the idea of you know these three concepts, and we work on the basic stuff. I focus on looking at lean body mass and the preservation of lean body mass the whole time. And that really flies in the face of a lot of commercial weight loss mindset that people come with. So we try to gradually shift them over to thinking about how healthy they are, how physically they're feeling. Then we see lab result changes, but I make it a big deal. An important factor is look at the muscle that you have We want to keep that and we want to reduce body fat overall. So it changes from eat less, exercise more to you have to eat to lose weight. And that is a very difficult concept. So Brandy, you you touched on a really important point and you look at lean body mass and that's different than stepping on the scale and getting the weight and the body fat number feedback. And you brought up a really good point before the call, which is someone could have made a ton of progress, but they'll see that body fat percentage number move 1% and it's so discouraging. So you've actually even disabled that from the scales that you use. And, and you're looking at periodic lean body mass measurements. That's a really brilliant way to do it. Could you just explain that a little more for people who aren't familiar with it? Sure. So the, we use an in-body in the clinic and um, we do have the cardio scale, which has, it says it has the capability of measuring body fat percentage. But when you look at the data, cause we do, we still can see the data, but I just tell people to turn that off on their end. So they aren't seeing it, mm-hmm. but you can't have a 4% change in body fat percentage overnight. So I know that that information is not very helpful And when people get that number stuck in their head and they only see 1% change after they've lost 20 pounds on the scale, it's negative, right? It gets into their head and it's not helpful. So I train them to look at the lean body mass and then we look at obviously change in body fat in pounds, which can be, you know, if they lose 20 pounds and 19 of it came from their body fat, they're doing awesome, but you might only see a 1.5% change in their body fat. So it's changing their perspective and really getting them to see what matters in terms of health and weight. 
Um, and that takes a little bit, but usually by the sixth month or the nine month, people are just super jacked. They come in, they go, I only lost two pounds, but I don't care because look at my body fat percentage went down by 4% and it's real, you know, and their clothes are falling off and they can do 20,000 steps and they're feeling amazing. Yeah. So, and then we look at that along with the blood work. So we do pretty extensive blood work every three months and there's just no better feeling that I can describe as a clinician than taking people off medication. You know, when I can stop people's insulin within two weeks, it's pretty encouraging. And I got a patient for life now because <laughs> they've been told the wrong things and they've been following what they've been told and it hasn't been working. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rewarding as well as challenging. But we found that combination of seeing the, the behaviorist. We always ask them to see the behaviorist first. So they can get through all of that. Well, I, I had this happen and this happen. And then by the time they get to me, they're ready to just talk about the, the data and the numbers and be curious about the data. And that's what I love about Heads of Health, the ability to show them trends that they can't see. It's been extremely helpful. Well, that that's a good segue. TJ, maybe uh, you and Brad can talk a little bit about the psychological work that goes into weight loss. I think that's something that is underappreciated, especially in, in the conventional medicine world. And that's just a whole fascinating topic. So maybe you guys can expand on that a little bit. Totally. Yeah. And I appreciate it, Dave. I, I just want to comment and reflect a bit on what you had shared, Brandy, around how, you know, most people come in, they're like, oh, I want to lose, want to lose weight, right? Like that's the goal. And they think, oh, we need to go on a, a diet to lose the weight. And it sounds like if I'm hearing you right, your, your, your approach is, is holistic. It's to, yes, they're in the goal of maybe losing weight or, or losing body fat healthfully is, is kind of masking the idea of like, how can we support overall health, right? And what creates health and really starting there. So as they've mentioned, the behavior side, Brandy, you said you have people start with the behavior side. And is that, that's Brad's focus? Is that correct? Correct. Cool. Yeah. So Brad, tell me a little bit about what that experience is like with your guys' clients. Now, are all of your clients in person or some virtual? What does that initial session look like uh, for you? It's both and, TJ. And so, I mean, I love working with people in my clinic because what's greater than working with somebody face-to-face, but We've also realized in today's world, especially, that we need a robust telemedicine platform. And if you're meeting with people every two weeks, you know, I've, I've got a guy who's an attorney in a, in a tower in downtown Seattle, and he just can't get out of his office every two weeks to drive to our clinic. And so it's, it's both and. We, we see people in clinic and we see people via telemedicine. We'll, we'll cool. do whatever works. So we'll right. do both. Yeah. Right. Sweet. And what is that first initial visit? look like for you and your conversation and, and what are your intentions for that? Yeah. I, I love the first initial visit because I kind of like to blow people away. The first, one of the first things, my first curriculum is about awareness. And one of the first things I love to say to people is we're not going to use willpower in this program. And often their eyes get kind of, kind of large and they go, what do you mean we're not going to use willpower? And I, 
I said, well, we're going to get rid of willpower. I, first of all, I don't believe in willpower because it doesn't work. And, and they kind of look at me and go, well, what are we going to do? And I say, well, look, here's the way it goes. You'll call on willpower 15 times a day and you'll be successful 14 times. I mean, you may have a batting average of, of 900 with willpower, but it only takes once at 10 o'clock at night when it doesn't work and you're going to see yourself as a failure. So let's, let's get rid of willpower. Or if we're going to use willpower, I often ask people, I say, when is your energy the highest? And, and most often, for most of us, our energy is highest maybe in the morning. You know, we've, we've slept, maybe we've worked out, maybe we've done something, maybe at eight or nine in the morning, we have pretty good energy. And I'll look at somebody and I'll say, okay, you get to use willpower once and you get to use it when your energy is high if it's nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. And they're a little befuddled at that point. And I say, instead of willpower, we're going we're gonna to replace willpower with strategies. And as you work with us over the weeks and following months, we're going to teach you some strategies about a number of different things that you're going to come up against, and we're going to throw willpower out. And some of the strategies may seem overly simple, but in a graduate school, I learned about HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And most of us at night, after work or we're, we've come home and we've put our kids down or, or we're dealing with our spouse and we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we're in low energy. Willpower is not going to work. So forget about it. If you've got problematic foods in your house at night and you're sitting around watching TV and you don't have any energy, don't use willpower. It's not going to work. You're just going to keep going to it. I talk about that voice, you know, that, that conversation you're having with the refrigerator or the cupboard. And at that point, you might as well just go eat it because if it's sitting in your kitchen, who wants to have that conversation? It's a drag. So this is the type of stuff that we work with. And, you know, obesity and weight issues are complex. We work with a lot of patients that, that have had a lot of abuse issues that some of them go quite deep. And, you know, you hear some very tragic and horrific stories. And so with some of our patients, we dig pretty deep about issues that they've had, emotional issues that drive their eating. And we know that sugar is an addiction. I don't know, Brandy, what do you think? 80, 85% of our patients come in and they're addicted to sugar. I mean, they are significantly addicted to sugar. And that's something we need to talk about. And this doesn't happen in one session. It, it takes a while for us to look at this and to work with it. Many of us grieve. We grieve the loss of sugar in our life. And how are we going to deal with that? So. Brandy and I have, we've developed 26 curriculum with our patients. And over a period of, of a couple years, we work on these issues with these patients. And it doesn't, you know, it's not a diet. There's not a beginning. There's not an end. It doesn't have a time stamp on it. It's not rapid weight loss. This isn't 30 pounds in 30 days. That's not what we're about. We want to, we want people to sustain their weight loss. Brandy talks to them about metabolic issues and how weight loss, if it's done correctly and it's done slowly, they're going to keep their weight off. And in the meantime, when she's talking about the metabolic issues, I'm talking about the emotional issues. And I love my medical partner because she's understands how the behavioral and the medical go hand in hand. And you're not going to find a lot of other medical professionals who will admit that. Certainly a lot of surgeons aren't going to admit that. 
there's some deep stuff in there, uh, especially the part about emotional attachments and trauma that could potentially go back to decades in someone's life. And they themselves have not even made the connection that right. is driving behavior. And that gets really, really powerful when you can start to bring that to the surface and help people see the connections for themselves. And then, I mean, the statistics on, on the sugar addiction, that's intense stuff. And I know in my own experiences, it took me a few years to finally get it out of my body completely. I don't know if there's stuff in the microbiome that, that feeds the sugar that takes a long time to get out of, but it's hard. And the addiction component is also something that doesn't make it to the surface enough. And, mm -hmm. and that gets into the fact that it's in every single thing on the supermarket shelf. <laughs> so ketchup and mustard, you know what I mean? Has like high fructose corn syrup in there. So like we're bombarded with it. And uh, there's a lot to unpack there in, in the behavioral side for sure. Yeah. And um, if they don't look at that stuff, it's a really hard road to get to sustainable weight loss. It's just, I wouldn't say impossible, but it's pretty hard. And um, we have to go through, not around the issues that are holding people back mentally and emotionally. I have a quick question. Um, so for those coaches or doctors listening to this, right? I mean, it sounds like you guys have a really powerful process and team to help implement that process. You remarked about how it's a, a three-month initial program and you've got Bradley there on the behavioral side first and then and then you come in on the clinical side. Are you guys cash practice? Are you insurance? Are you a mix of both? It's interesting, TJ, because I, I came out of a the practice that Brandy joined me in. We had 45 providers and I was a partner in that. And being a businessman, of course, we had about 150 staff in that practice. So I got a first-hand look at, at our financials. And when we built our practice, I decided that I wanted to be both and. And so Brandy was at 10 or 12 in health insurance companies that we wanted to not be in network with them. And all of our fellow physicians said that we were nuts. So we resigned every healthcare network that we were in. And we decided that we were going to be kind of a hybrid TJ. So we are, uh, when people call us, they say, do you take my insurance? And I correct the language and say, you can use your insurance because we are Washington state licensed medical providers. We are cash pay. Then we, right on the spot, we crank out a CPT coded super bill. We give it in a self-addressed stamped envelope on the spot to our patients and they send in the super bill to their health network, and then they are reimbursed, and the money and the check is sent to them, depending on their deductible, depending on their network, depending on their what else, Brandy? Their uh, their whole, sign. Yeah, a whole number of things, and, <laughs> and you know, yeah, and so you exactly. So you know, in today's world, just about every patient who walks in has a, a different program. So for us to survive as a practice, we need to be cash pay and our patients 
many of our patients, they can all use their FSAs, they can all use their HSAs, and many of our patients are doing very, very well being reimbursed by their health insurance companies. So they were a hybrid, they can use their insurance for our programs. If we had to survive just on what the insurance company was willing to reimburse us, we wouldn't be able to survive. A number of times that we were going to be crazy to do this. Uh, (laughs) Interestingly, since we've started it, a number of practices now are doing it the exact way we are doing it. So, Well, I think it's really smart. And the reason I asked was in terms of an individual having skin in the game, it sounds like your strategy is take cash up front and then they can potentially get reimbursed on the back end. That's, That's like a whole other mindset, right? Where like most of Western medicine and in the United States is like you said, do you take my insurance? Do you take this? And it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And it's like separated, but when they're giving you cash, it seems like that has more skin in the game for them to be more engaged in the process. And I mean, is that true? Do you find that in your practice? I think so. And Brandy can speak to this, but I, if you're paying the amount of money that you're paying for premiums for health insurance, my goodness, we want our patients to be able to use their health insurance. And, and we're unique from sure. the commercial weight loss programs because if you're in a commercial weight loss program, you can't get reimbursement. So that makes us somewhat unique. But the flip side of this too, TJ, is that as you probably know, the amount of staff that you have to maintain in a practice to get reimbursed is so cumbersome that you have to raise your prices. I mean, it's phenomenal what you have to do in bookkeeping just to get reimbursed 30% of what you bill. And so the business of running a medical practice primarily through health insurance reimbursement for medical practices is horrendous. It's very difficult to do. And um, I will say um, yeah. our no-show rate is very, very low. Yeah, almost nothing. Especially with no, the telemedicine. Our, yeah. Our no-show rate in our previous large practice some days felt like it was 40 or 50%. Mm-hmm. And wow. for the very reason for the very reason you mentioned, TJ, because when people weren't paying for it, they no-showed all the time. Yep. yep. And, you know, that's a, for coaches and doctors listening to this right now, you know, take a page out of Three Health's book here because how you set up the strategy and the business model is, is really important. You know, we've got our health professionals using our, our platform. And I would say, Dave, uh, right. Majority of them might be more cash pay, but there is a mix of the two. So uh, I I love that uh, strategy there. We can come back to the data and get nerdy. We are data driven health radio here. (laughs) So I've been dying to ask Brandy about the aura and about Biosense. And uh, I love the fact that you're putting people into low-level nutritional ketosis and measuring that. And what I love even more is that you're incorporating sleep education and awareness into weight loss. Hallelujah. Can can you tell us more about that? Yeah. (laughs) So Aura became a solution to a problem that I had. And that problem was that I could send somebody for a sleep study They'd say, yep, you have sleep apnea. They'd go to some random sleep specialist and they'd tell me, they suggested that I just get an oral appliance. And I would be like bashing my head in because 
well, if you like TMG and loose teeth and not very good sleep results, then go for it. But we all know gold standard is CPAP and as Mm -hmm. much as that can be uncomfortable. So I was having a time finding somebody to support people that way. And then I figured even if they get the CPAP, they say that they didn't sleep anyway. So I said, well, we've got to find out because if you're not sleeping, you will not lose weight. And that's just a fact, right? Why not, Brandy? Can you share more on that? What's the connection for people who don't understand it? Well, there's some very practical things. Like if you aren't getting enough sleep and you're tired all the time, you're going to eat foods that give you quick energy and throw you out of ketosis and send your blood sugar on a roller coaster. And you're going to be at the mercy of that. Yeah. And I don't care how smart you are. When your blood sugar is crashing, you know it's a survival mechanism and you're going to go find some sugar. That's just the way it is. Fastest things you can find. And and you tend to crave salty, nutrient-poor foods when you're sleep-deprived as well, is my understanding. Right. And I think that then I have had quite a few people say, well, I just eat a bunch of carbs so I can finally sleep. You know, and then they wake up at three in the morning in a panic attack, sweating, heart racing. And I'm like, yeah, that's welcome to hypoglycemia. You know, it's so bad that it's waking you up. So that, and then I think that the stress and cortisol connection with poor sleep, also, you know, just the effect of hypoventilation or low oxygen, hypoxia when you're asleep, it makes your brain not functional. It makes it hard to concentrate you're foggy, you're tired, you don't even know what you're doing half the time. And how can anyone set out on a good nutrition plan or be intentional about what they're doing as far as moving their body when they're so kind of out of it and foggy from the poor night's sleep that they've been having for the last 10 years and not even being able to recognize it? So it's it's a whole bunch of different things, but the pressure that it puts that sleep apnea puts on the heart and lungs, bladder, everything else is just so terrible. It's really bad for you. You know, hypertension, you have this water retention in your lungs, you get pulmonary hypertension, you get headaches and GERD and bladder problems and all kinds of stuff. And it's no wonder people can't sleep because it's a vicious cycle. So I had to find a way to be able to show people how they're sleeping on a daily basis so that they can respond to that, make corrections, do an intervention, Mm -hmm. and then see how they respond to that. You know, the heart rate recovery, that has been phenomenal for people because if they can look at it and say, well, you know, this R ring thing is telling me that I'm like, I need to take it easy, but I don't really feel like I need to take it easy. But when I do, then I feel better. (laughs) It's like, wow, imagine that because it's taking into account so many different variables that we can't be conscious of because we're sleeping or trying to sleep. So it's been it's just been really helpful to be able to open the window into exactly what it is that people are doing. You know, and I I told somebody the other day it was like it's like yeah, you can tell me anecdotally I don't sleep very well. And I say great, what does that mean? You know, and they say, well, you know, I think I sleep like 6 hours a night. Well, we get the aura ring and it's like more like three. When I first started measuring my sleep, it was like 
I would have said, yeah, probably seven or eight hours a night. And once I actually saw the numbers, it was significantly less than that. And it, it was not even really kind of like restorative sleep. And, and we jumped on beforehand. And I said, part of the reason I started Heads Up is because I saw how my behavior changed just from seeing the numbers. Right. And so are, are you seeing that as well, where people finally get some data into how they, they think they're sleeping and then they are more able and willing to course correct? It's that. And they know that I can make a better recommendation when I actually know what's going on. If I have a 15 minute visit, how am I supposed to try to figure out what's been going on with you and your sleep in that, you know, I don't know how many hours that would be if they're sleeping appropriately. There's no way I can take guesses. I can take a stab at it, but I can't really know. And then we can't see the effect of the intervention if we're not tracking the data. So yeah, it's been pretty powerful. The biosense too. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, oh yeah, I'm in ketosis. I'm sure. Cause I don't eat any carbs. <laughs> and then I look at the the numbers on heads up and they're like never cracking a four. I'm like, okay. Then they get it and they're like, oh yeah, when I ate the chicken teriyaki, it weighed down. And I thought that that was fine. And I'm like, okay, well now you know. And that's how they view it too. Now I know it's not judgmental. That's the other message that we try to. Yeah, that's important. It's like, it's, it's just data and we need to be curious that I tell people all the time. It's not judgmental. It's a curiosity into what is working and what isn't working. And then we make incremental changes that we can measure and we just keep going. So it's been. I think that's really important, David. You and Brandon and I were talking before the show, and, and one of the two of you brought up the word accountability. And that word triggers a lot of our patients because they were in, you know, they, they had parents, maybe mom held the daughter accountable when she was 13 to a diet, right? And yeah. It triggers a lot of people. So this dashboard, you know, with Heads Up Health that, that Brandy's using is is an incredibly powerful tool, but we're not, we're not using it to make them accountable in a negative sense or in a shameful way. I had a patient, God, I had this wonderful woman who's in her fifties, Brandy at 11 o'clock this morning, and she's been struggling for years with sugar. And she came in today. She's an IT person at a local university and she had this huge smile and she said, man, I'm just doing so well. And I'm finally getting I'm using the data to conquer my sugar habit. And she said, I'm seeing it now more as a science project than I am as shame-filled or somebody holding this over my head. So the data for her today has given her some freedom to look at this, as Brandy said, to be curious about it and to kind of free her up and not always be uh, feeling shame and, and feeling oppressed by it. Am I making sense? Does that make sense to you guys? You so, are, yeah, that's so, really Yeah. And so yeah, you kind of look at them sometimes and say, yeah, look at this as kind of like a science project and quit <laughs> looking at this as I failed or I'm shame-filled. And so tracking, sometimes the tracking of this, all of this information can be extremely freeing. Maybe that sounds counterintuitive, but it really works. It really works. Trust me. 
you brought up something earlier as well. You guys are asking a lot of your clients. You're rigging them up pretty good. And if they're not tech savvy, maybe you guys can share on that. I know, Brandy, you said all, most of your clients actually are, are enjoying it. They're nerding out on it and, and they're not tech wizards. And you're asking them to download three or four apps and stitch up some devices and put a dashboard together. So how's that going? It's been a little bit rough. We have a few people who had to have a few visits to the clinic and work with our our onboarding person, our medical right. assistant, who's like, I think I generally call her like, she's like duct tape. She keeps the whole thing together. She's just really good at it. But you know, once they get it, then they just grab onto it and go. And I always tell them it's an experiment we just need the information, then we can make an informed decision about what yeah. to do next. And they, I love it when they get on board with, it's just kind of like letting somebody else take responsibility. My job is to just get you the information. That's how they view it. Like, That's perfect. And then I can spend the time combing. They don't have and, to interpret it. They don't have to right. figure it out. Is this number good or bad? All they got to do is get you the data and you guys provide the, the interpretation, the coaching. That is beautiful. I love that. You know, and we've done some interesting things because there are people who get the scale weight in their head, right? And it's really negative. So I say, well, just cover that and uh, get on the scale anyway. You beautiful. don't have to look at the number. Don't even look at it. That's awesome. You know, and it works really well. So, Or Brandon, you and I had a guy yesterday who said, gosh, my scale's not changing a lot. And he goes, but my belt is down three notches. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> there which, you go. Which, I, I love, which means is he'd lost a lot of fat and his lean muscle was doing great. So yeah. well, that goes back to what Brandy said, that those scale numbers are going to send people down the wrong rabbit hole. And if you yeah, can yeah. teach them how to look at the lean body mass number and the belt loops, you know, it's like a stock chart. It's just going to sawtooth zigzag all over the place. So that's again where... Yeah, we have this awesome technology, but you guys need to provide the expertise and the interpretation layer. And that's when I think you, you get the best of both. Absolutely. It's very powerful. TJ, any other questions, comments here as we're winding down? Yeah. So on the coaching side, what might be your top tips for other coaches out there, other doctors who are running a data-driven practice and want to support their clients or patients with sustainable behavior change, losing weight, better health, whatever it is, you know, what, what are your top tips for, for other um, practices like yours in general? And also like, what, what are some of the, the core strategies that you use inside of coaching specifically? I'm curious. Well, uh, I can tell you the one thing that I harp on and has proven time and time again to be effective. It's not necessarily as much of a behavioral strategy but it is a behavior, which is eating. Eating is a behavior. And if you can get people to get adequate protein and fat, a lot of things fall into place Mm. because their body will enjoy that and like it and take over. So when in doubt, eat more protein. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just can't tell you how many times over the last 13 years when people stall out, I say, let's go back. Let's make sure you're hitting those protein numbers. And 99.9% of the time, they come back and say, you were right. I was 
cutting back on my portions, almost, you know, it's subliminal. They're doing it because they think that they're going to lose more weight if they eat a little bit less of the portion. And then when we go back and make sure they're doing it, it works. And so I had a patient recently that had experienced that. I was looking at her weight on heads of health. I was looking at her protein intake and it was dropping. Her weight was going up. Her protein was going down. Her steps were way up. So she was doing the classic eat less, exercise more thing, getting frustrated. And before it was even her appointment, I called her and I said, hey, I see this trend going on. And I think if you course correct now, we'll see what happens in a week when you actually have your appointment. She did it and it was it was just night and day in terms of turned her weight loss down back to going down and her energy and appetite were much better. Wow. That's a great success story. So you had a patient who you noticed her movement was going up, but her protein intake was going down and thus her weight loss or fat loss stalled. And so you were able to correlate those data points and course correct. Right. And then you, you saw, saw it all improve. Proactively course correct. Right. Right. Before she was like, I can't do this and I'm so frustrated and nothing's working. You know, the classic stuff that they say. Uh, yes. I was able to catch her before she got to that point and it was great. Because you had the data. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll build some um, ways to uh, surface these kinds of things automatically for you, Brandy, as our platform gets more sophisticated. Brad, any best practices you want to share? Yeah, I, PJ and David, thanks for asking that question. I was I was thinking about an answer here. So I will tell you that my partner, my medical partner, can get anybody, she can get anybody to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. She's She's capable of that. And I remember a surgeon of several years ago looked at me. I didn't like him very much, but he looked at me and he said, all diets work. And it kind of pissed me off at the time because I thought we were special. We're fighting societally this, this concept with commercial weight loss programs, mainly because of advertising that, you know, everybody comes on and says, let's lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And everybody comes into our clinic and they're in a hurry. And we know that that's damaging to your body and it's not sustainable. And so one of the first things I would say to health coaches, TJ, to answer your question is don't be filled with anxiety about the number and the results. If you do it right and work with your clients or patients right, the weight loss will come, but you've got to do it right. So take your time. And if you want good, sustainable weight loss, our patients didn't put this weight on overnight and they're not going to take it off overnight. Brandy and I are working with four guys right now in our program. They're in their second year. Each one of these guys, I was thinking as you were answering, Brandy, have lost over 125 pounds and they're keeping it off. But it's taken us a couple of years. Sure. And the, and the first, yeah, in the first three or four months, you know, they were down 12, 15 pounds and they were kind of looking at us going, is this going to work? It takes time. It takes mm. some time. But with the slower weight loss, with the education, with the changing in the eating habits, with some of the behavioral work that we did, it started to catch on. And six, eight, 10, 12 months into this program, they had huge smiles on their face and they said, you know, we're starting to get it. It's mm. starting to catch on. So, 
my advice to other people in this business, physicians, therapists, and coaches is get people to be self-aware, relaxed, and give it some time. Uh, rapid weight loss is not sustainable. So get rid of that. So, and that mindset for, for the health pro, the coach or doctor, to not be anxious because the client's numbers aren't moving is so important. You don't always think about that. But if the client's anxious, that can rub off on the health professional and create that feedback loop. So it sounds like you're impressing upon uh, other coaches and doctors out there about like, stand your ground, hold down firm, play the long game and, and embody that sort of patience as opposed to just falling into the anxiety loop. That's such a, such a great point right there. That's invaluable, I think. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay. Great. Cool. Well, we covered a lot of ground here in a very short time. <laughs> TJ and I are very grateful to be working with you guys and supporting you guys. And, and we're, we're building this together in some respects as we provide the uh, underlying technology platform to you guys. So we're, we're grateful to work with you and, and our other partners that are part of this, Aura and Biosense and, and a couple others that we've mentioned here that are pulling it all together. So excited to keep going with you guys. And I guess there's probably some people listening that, that would either want to get in touch with you guys from a, a clinical side or, or from a personal side as a potential client of yours. So maybe you could just leave us with some information for your company and those who are interested can, can get in touch with you. Sure. Our website is just 3.health, T-H-R-E-E dot health, no.com. Everyone makes that mistake. Um, and then they can't find us. And then our email is contact us at three dot health. Awesome. Cool. Thank you guys. We're yeah. grateful for your time here on a Friday afternoon. And this was incredibly educational. So thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We love to tell our story. It's delightful. So for sure. Appreciate it very much. We'll probably have show notes and more information for people over at our website as well. So Thanks again for being on. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 